Amen, amen. Thank you. Thank you, Dave, Brittany. Thank you, girls. Tremendous job. Boy, I tell you what, good to see folks, young folks learning to serve the Lord. Amen, amen. Thank the Lord for it. We're going to be in Romans chapter 3 this morning, Romans chapter number 3, finishing up this chapter. Uh, boy, I'll tell you what, it's just full, just full of the message of salvation as so we're going to be finishing that up. As you turn in there, I do want to mention one more thing to you. We mentioned this a few weeks ago. I uh, just want to mention it again, and I, I think I'm going to try, Miss Lila, you remind me, uh, that we're going to try to put this in the bulletin next week so that you have this information. But on our website, on our church website, there is a directory on the little website uh, that you can access and you can see uh, who who is who in the church. I know how you are. Uh, I have have to learn how to disguise when I forget somebody's name, you know. And, but I know we're all the same way. And you look at somebody and you're like, who is that? What is their name? And I've shook hands with them too many Sundays now. I'm embarrassed to ask their name, and so, uh, you know, what do I do at this point? The directory will help you with that. Uh, so you get in the directory and see who is who. Uh, so it is online, and to log in to the directory, the directory is password protected. The username to log into the directory is Marlbrook Member, capital M's. So Marlbrook is a capital M, member is a capital, capital M. Marlbrook Member is your username, and the password is Marlbrook1. And the Marlbrook, again, is capitalized. The M is capitalized. So username, Marlbrook member, password, Marlbrook1. That will get you into the online directory, and you'll be able to see uh, most folks have, uh, or a majority of the folks have a picture of them or their family, uh, and you'll have address, telephone number, you can send cards, encouragement, uh, so that'll be a, a wonderful access. If you are not in the directory, I know we've got a lot of newer folks here in the church, if you are not in the directory, we would love to add you to the directory. Uh, if you attend here regularly, uh, and you would like to be in the directory, if you would just simply text me a picture of yourself or you and your family uh, and your contact information, we will add you to the directory, and that way it'll be up to date. If you log in and you see your picture and you're like, I can't believe this is on a public website, and you want a different one, just text me the picture you would like it replaced with, and we can keep that updated. But just wanted to let you know about that. We've had some folks ask uh, about that, and so that is a way you can log in and help you to connect with your church family. And so hope that is a blessing to you. Romans chapter number three. We've spent uh, much more time here in the last half of Romans three than I originally anticipated that we would. But boy, I'm telling you what, the word of God is so rich. The word of God is so rich. It's so full. And it so explains the things that so many are confused about. If you talk to a group of people, if you find people from several different churches and you talk to them about the subject of salvation, you will find that although salvation is clearly explained and described in the Word of God, there's probably no other subject uh, that has more opinions uh, than the way of salvation. And so we see here in Romans chapter number 3, the first... Uh, uh, <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, from the first half, second half of chapter number one through the first half of chapter number three, Paul lays out man's need for salvation. And then in the rest of chapter number three, Paul tells us uh, how we can have this salvation. <coughs> Excuse me this morning. I think we'll be able to preach, but uh, maybe not. Uh, 
that uh, this thing, I don't know what it is that's going around, it's affected all of us, I think, at some point or another, but I didn't, wasn't here to preach the last Sunday in December because I was so congested, and it's, it's never went away, and so it's still there, and so uh, the, I apologize for coughing, but uh, we're going to do our best to make it through. But the last half of chapter number three, Paul explains this salvation, and we have taken our time moving through looking at this. In our last message, <coughs> excuse me. In our last message, we looked at verses 24 down through verse number 26, where we considered what we said was the glory of the gospel. That was the title of our last message that I preached two Sundays ago, the glory of the gospel. And we realized that the glory of the gospel, what is glorious about the gospel, is that salvation is obtained by grace through faith. That is the glory of the gospel. That salvation is available. It is made available to us by the grace of God and we can receive it through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now in verse 27 down through verse number 31 that we'll be looking at this morning, Paul clarifies the working of this salvation. And so that's what we'll be looking at this morning is this thought, the clarification of salvation. And Paul is going to deal with some just simple facts about salvation that clarify many questions that they had in that day and questions that are still being raised in our day. So we're going to read here Romans chapter 3, verse number 27, down through verse number 31. Then we'll pray and get into the message. The Bible says, where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yea, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid, yea, we establish the law. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, Lord, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, dear Lord, that you make it possible. Uh, Lord, that we can come together and, Lord, we can worship you and, Lord, we can look at your word. And, Father, I thank you for that. I pray, dear Lord, that you will bless us this morning. Lord, as we're uh, struggling with a little bit of a cough, Lord, I pray that you'll clear our throat and uh, clear our lungs and help us, Lord, to be able to, to preach your word. I pray, dear Lord, for others here in the congregation. Lord, also, uh, Lord, struggling with this uh, flu or cold, whatever it is, Father, I pray that you'll be with them. Thank you, dear Lord. Thank you, uh, Lord, that they're in your house, uh, Lord, willing to serve you. Father, Lord, for those that's unable to be here, uh, Lord, because of their sickness, Lord, I pray you touch their bodies. I pray that you work in their life and help them, Father, I pray. Thank you, dear Lord, for the experience, Lord, that the church made possible for Melissa and I to be able to travel. And uh, Lord, go see the, the places, uh, Lord, where you worked through the Apostle Paul to, to plant churches. And Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, as we look into your word this morning, and Lord, we consider, uh, Lord, the clarification of salvation. Lord, I pray as we look at it, uh, Father, Lord, that it will help us, uh, Lord, to understand the workings uh, of the salvation that you have offered. Thank you for your goodness. Bless each one that is here. And Father, we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. Amen. My wife snuck me a cough drop during prayer time there. Thank you, sweetheart. Uh, so I wasn't sure what was happening. Here I was praying. I felt somebody touching my hand. I wasn't in the world. But uh, anyway, <laughs> thank you for the cough drop. It's good to be here. All righty. So look at here, Romans 3, 27 to 31. There's three truths in this passage that I want to draw to your attention today. First, after revealing, in, in the previous part of this chapter, previous part, chapter number three, Paul reveals that salvation is made possible by grace through faith. This is what Paul drives home. It's not a works, nothing you can do. You don't deserve it. You didn't earn it. It's only available by the grace of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul reveals that. He draws that very clearly in verse 24 through 26. Paul then comes to verse number 27 and points out for those that have received this gift of salvation, those of us that have put our trust in Christ, boasting is unthinkable. Boasting is unthinkable. He comes to verse number 27 and he said, where is boasting then? It is excluded. And so we want to look here at a couple of things that help us to see why Boasting is excluded. Why it is that we do not boast in ourselves about our salvation, but instead we boast in the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 24 through 26 that we looked at a couple Sundays ago, and we're going to briefly cap that so that we understand the text today. In verse 24 to 26, Paul clearly reveals that our salvation is made possible through the shed blood of of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what makes salvation available. This is what makes it obtainable. This is what provides it for us is the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the flow of the passages that we looked at. If you go back to verse number 23, Paul says that righteousness without the law is possible. He's drove home the fact previous to that that righteousness through the law is not possible. But in verse number 23, he says, but righteousness without the law is possible. How is it possible? Verse number 24, Paul tells us that this righteousness is provided through Christ Jesus. In verse number 25, he explains how Christ Jesus provided this salvation in that he became our propitiation. If you remember uh, two weeks ago, we looked at this thought of Christ being our propitiation. In other words, it means that he fulfilled the role of the mercy seat. He shed his blood on the place of judgment, and because of his blood, the place of judgment became a place of reconciliation. So we see that righteousness without the law is possible. It is provided through Christ Jesus. He took our place. He became our propitiation. He paid our payment. And then in verse number 26, we see that it is Christ's righteousness. Christ's righteousness that has satisfied the demands of the law. What is the demands of the law? The demand of the law is that the wages of sin is death. The law demands that those who have sinned must pay by death. Christ's death has met the demands of the law and it is now his righteousness that has removed our guilt and you and I can stand holy before God. Therefore, we understand from verse 24 down through verse number 26 that our salvation is all of Christ. If you are saved today, your salvation is all of Christ. Nothing you have done, 
nothing you have earned, nothing that was owed you, nothing that you were favored. It's all of Christ. If you have eternity secure, it's all of Christ. There is no other means of salvation. Salvation is all of Christ. Paul has driven this point home. We see that salvation is a gift that has been provided for us by Christ. It has been paid for by the blood of Christ and it has been presented to us by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our salvation is all of Christ. And until we grasp this, we will fail to give God the glory He deserves for our salvation. As long as we are thinking that there is something in us that has merited this salvation, we will fail to give Him the glory He deserves in giving salvation to an unworthy creature like you and I. But whenever I recognize that there is absolutely nothing in me that merited my salvation, it's all of Christ, I now recognize the enormous gift that He has given me. We do not deserve Salvation. Paul makes this clear in the first three chapters of this book. We do not deserve salvation. We did nothing to earn salvation. We did not play any part in providing salvation. Our salvation is all of grace. That's why when Paul comes to verse number 27, he says, Where is boasting? Now, why did Paul bring this up? Why did Paul mention this about boasting? Well, if you remember, in the first three chapters, we had the moral man who was boasting in his morality. And Paul had to explain to the moral man that his morality was not going to do anything to merit salvation because although he was moral in regards of a man's evaluation in relation to the righteousness of God, his morality, his righteousness was as filthy rags. And so we see in verse number 27, Paul says, the moral man has nothing to boast in because his morality could not merit salvation. We also remember that Paul talked about the Jew, the Jewess who thought that because he was of the seed of Abraham that salvation was owed him. The Jew thought that because his was of the that Abraham was his father that he would in a sense inherit salvation. Paul said, no, 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 your nationality has nothing to do with salvation. This is something that must be individual. You know, there are some who grew up in Christian families, who grew up with Christian parents, uh, who grew up around the church and, and Christianity, and they understand it, they can speak it, they can talk about it, but they have never, ever made an individual commitment to Christ. You don't inherit anything. Paul said there's no boasting in being a moral person. There's no boasting in your nationality or in your heritage. Paul also in the first three chapters talked about the religious person. The person who was dedicated to the religious rituals of the law who thought that by keeping the religious rituals of the law they would merit salvation. 
Paul makes it clear that keeping religious rituals has nothing to do with salvation. That salvation is only through believing in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, he comes to verse number 27 of chapter number 3, and he says, where is boasting? Paul has made it clear that there is nothing we can do there is nothing about us that merits salvation. So if we have received salvation, it is because of the grace and mercy and loving kindness of our Heavenly Father. There is nothing to boast in. As Paul is clarifying salvation, he is driving home the point that there is no boasting. Salvation shouldn't make us puffed up. Salvation shouldn't cause us to be haughty toward those that are unsaved and I'm sure you've witnessed examples of that. But salvation, possessing salvation should create in the heart of the individual a spirit of humility that I have something I did not deserve I'm rejoicing and living in something I could not earn. I am reaping the benefits of something that was not owed to me. Salvation ought to create in our hearts a spirit of humility. We should be humble that the God of heaven would extend to you and I forgiveness, redemption, and his righteousness. In verse 27 to 28, Paul points three points out three things concerning the error of boasting in our salvation. Let's read verse 27 and 28. He said, where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Three things we see here concerning the error of boasting in our salvation. First of all, we see that I cannot boast in my ability to keep the law. I cannot boast in my ability to keep the law. We have found it true that man is unable, man is incapable of keeping the law. Paul says here, where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law? Of works? Nay, I cannot boast in the fact that I kept the law and because I kept the law, I received salvation. I cannot make that boast. Matter of fact, if I'm to be honest, I can only say that I broke the law. The Bible says if you offend in one point of the law, you're guilty of all. There may be some areas where you have been victorious. But every one of us can also say there are plenty of areas where I've broke the law. Therefore, in my salvation, I cannot boast in my ability to keep the law because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, we see that I cannot boast in the grandeur of my works. I cannot boast in the grandeur of my works. He said, by what law of works? Nay, you know what? We like to elevate our good deeds, don't we? You know why we like to elevate our good deeds? Because it's a rare occasion. 
You want to know what I did? Let me tell you what I did. I did something super. I did something good. If it was something that we did regularly, we wouldn't have time to brag about it. But boy, whenever we do something good, we want the whole world to know. Why? Because it's not our nature. It's not our tendency. It's not what we regularly do. I can't boast in the grandeur of my works. No. In light of Christ and what he's done for me, I have done nothing that is worthy of recognition. I can't boast in my ability to keep in the law. I can't boast in, my grand, in the grandeur of my works. But then this last one is one where some folks have gotten confused. But also I cannot boast in the justification of faith. I cannot boast in the justification of faith. Now why do I say that some folks have gotten confused here? Because folks will sometimes make faith a work. And they will boast in the fact that I put my faith in Christ. So I did something to receive Christ. Let me just explain something to you about faith right here that I believe will help you with this. The essence of faith in Christ, the essence of faith in Christ, follow with me, is me admitting and accepting that my salvation is gained through the means and ability of someone other than myself. The essence of my of salvation, the essence of faith, is me recognizing that I am unable to save myself. So I cannot boast in faith, for if I boast in faith, I am simply exalting the God of heaven who saw fit to save a lowly creature like me. If I am boasting in my faith, in saying that I did something to earn my salvation, then I've misunderstood faith, because faith is me admitting that I can't do it. And you cannot boast in admitting your own failure. I can't boast in keeping the law. I can't boast in the grandeur of my works. I cannot boast in the justification by faith because in doing so, I am simply recognizing that someone bigger and stronger and more capable and more qualified than me made possible my salvation. We see here in this clarification of salvation that there can be no boasting. Secondly, we see concerning the clarification of salvation, Paul points out, he reminds us of the universal availability of salvation. Now this kind of goes hand in hand with boasting. Whenever I brag about having something, it indicates that I have it because I'm special. So first of all, Paul says there's no boasting. No way you can boast. Christ provided it, so you can't boast. Then he goes on and reminds us that salvation isn't for one select group of people, but salvation is for all. We see here in verse 29 and 30 that there is one God, one grace, and one gospel. One God, one grace, and one gospel. In verse 29 and 30, he says, Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. You know what? Whenever us Americans read that, it ought to make us shout because we're Gentiles. <laughs> and salvation isn't for the Jew only, but it's also for the Gentiles. Seeing, verse number 30, seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith. We see here uh, that there is one God, one grace, one gospel. Paul is driving home the universality 
of salvation. Here in these verses we see three things. First, we see that there is one God for all of mankind. What do we mean by that? The creator of heaven and earth is accessible to all of humanity. The creator of heaven and earth influences all of humanity and desires that all should come to repentance. I, there's something, I'm, an illustration I want to give you right now, but I'm trying to save it. Well, when we was on Mars Hill and they were talking about the unknown God and the application Paul made, boy, I'm telling you what, it was good. Y'all be sure to come back whenever we're talking about Mars Hill because, boy, I'm telling you what, powerful application teaching this right here that the God of heaven influences all of humanity. He is over all of humanity. He is accessible to all of humanity. He influences all of humanity and the God of heaven desires that all of humanity should come to repentance. There is no differentiation because of nationality or background or pre-salvation beliefs. He is available to all. One God for all of mankind. Next we see that there is one grace for all of mankind. One grace for all of mankind. He said there that verse, seeing it is one God which shall justify. It is the grace of God that justifies men and women and this one grace will justify all who come to him. Salvation is accomplished the same way for all. No one can merit their own salvation. The Jew who lived religiously or the Gentile who lived right, riotlessly, riotously, I can't say the word right now. Anyway, they're both without hope outside of the grace of God. Were it not for the grace of God, all of humanity would be condemned. Without God extending his grace, no one, no one, but have hope of eternity. But God, through his grace, will justify. What does justify mean? He will make them positionally righteous before God. You see, there's coming a day when all of humanity will stand before God. And those who do not appear righteous before God will be condemned to eternal damnation. But all who come to Christ, regardless of background, regardless of who they are, if they come to Christ in faith, will be justified. They will receive the righteousness of Christ and on judgment day, they will appear before God as righteous. And he offers that to any who will believe on him. But without it, all will be condemned. There is one God for all of mankind, one grace for all of mankind. But then third, in verse number 30, we see that there is one gospel for all of mankind. What is that gospel? Is that salvation is by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision, which refers to the Jewish nation by faith, and the uncircumcision, which refers to the Gentiles through faith. There is one gospel for all of mankind. All of mankind must come by faith. It is the only way of salvation for all men for all time. In the next chapter, Romans chapter number 4, we begin looking at Abraham. Paul uses Abraham as an example of what he's been teaching. And in verse number 3, Paul says this, For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. 
Now, if you know the timeline of your Bible, you understand that Abraham lived long before Calvary. But Abraham came to salvation through faith. Then if we look in the book of Philippians, or, or excuse me, in the book of Acts concerning the Philippian jailer in Acts 16, verse 30 and 31, we find that Paul instructed the Philippian jailer to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Before Calvary and after Calvary, the way to salvation, the truth of the gospel is you only come by faith and belief. In the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We see that there is one gospel for all of mankind. That is that there is one way of salvation and that is through putting faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. As we come to the close of chapter number 3, we'll try to wrap this up. We see that Paul ends this discussion concerning the glory of our salvation by pointing out the importance of the law. In verse number 31, he says, Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. Having understood through the previous verses that salvation cannot be obtained through keeping the law and that those who do attempt to gain their salvation by keeping the law and gain their own justification by the works of the law actually put themselves under an unprofitable bondage that many times blinds them to their need of salvation through faith. Uh, we, we, be, we realize that salvation cannot be obtained through the law. It's easy to mistakenly assume that the law is of no importance. Well, I can't get saved by keeping the law. Those that try to keep the law add an unnecessary bondage to themselves. Salvation is by faith, so we don't need the law, right? The law is unnecessary. This is the question that Paul presents. If this is true, then the law is unnecessary. And there are folks even in our day, who are preaching this exact doctrine that the Old Testament no longer applies, is not necessary, and isn't something that we need to read or worry about or learn from. But Paul says, and I don't understand how those who preach that, how they get around this verse, because Paul says, God forbid. That's pretty strong language. Do we make void the law through faith? Because I'm saved by believing in Christ, I'm not saved through the law, do I nullify the law? God forbid. No, the law is important. He said, when we get saved through faith, we don't nullify the law. We establish the law. <laughs> Paul asked first, first he asked the question, does faith void the law? Does salvation by faith nullify the law? Is the law no longer relative because of faith? He then answers his own question with this statement. God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. Paul's saying there's nothing further from the truth. God did not waste hundreds of years in giving and practicing the law. 
That wasn't wasted years. God didn't make a mistake when he gave the law to Moses and when the children of Israel practiced it for all those years. There was no mistake in that. God didn't waste hundreds of pages of his word in recording the law. No, no, that wasn't wasted. There is a reason. There is a purpose for the giving and the practicing of the law. What is it? Well, the law was given that man might understand the righteousness of God. When you look at the law, you don't have to look very long before you begin to realize that the person that gave this law has a much higher standard of righteousness than you and I can even begin to comprehend. The law helps us to see the righteousness of God. And also the law helps you and I to see our inferiority to God. It helps us to recognize how holy he is and how sinful we are. In other words, the law serves as the mirror that reveals to us our sinfulness so that we understand our need for forgiveness so that we will turn to Christ in faith and receive salvation so that we unworthy creatures can appear righteous before God on judgment day. If it wasn't for the law, we would never, ever recognize our condition and never turn to Christ in faith. The law is necessary to bring us to repentance. Galatians 3 and verse number 24 says, Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster. What's a schoolmaster do? It teaches us, right? The law teaches us. What does it teach us? It says the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. Do we make void the law when we say that we're saved by faith? Oh, no, we establish the law. Because whenever I realize my wickedness according to the law, I understand that the only hope for eternity for me is salvation by faith. Faith establishes the law. The law is necessary to bring us to Christ. The law is necessary to reveal our condition. The law is necessary to make us aware of our need. Faith establishes the law. The Bible has made it clear that both Jews and Gentiles, all of humanity are saved the same way. What is this way of salvation? By faith. The law demands death for sin. This is what the law demands. And Christ fulfilled the law. If there was no law, our salvation wouldn't make sense. The law helps us to understand what it is that Christ has done for us. The law demanded sin, death for sin and Christ died for our sin. The law reveals my need for grace and God's grace enables me to keep the law. Faith doesn't nullify the law. No, faith establishes and fulfills the requirement of the law. As we close this morning, I want to remind you that the law says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. 
And there are people today, possibly in this congregation, who are still hoping to get around the penalty of their sin without accepting the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The law says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. You have two choices. You can accept the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ or you can pay the penalty yourself. But there is no getting around the law. This morning, my question is, will you turn to Jesus today? Will you trust Him for forgiveness? Will you come to Him in repentance? Will you come to Him for remission and allow Him to clothe you in His righteousness? There is coming, there is coming a judgment day. And on that judgment day, all will stand before God. None of us are worthy. No one is worthy to enter heaven. We're all going to stand before God. As we step up to the judgment seat for our turn to appear before the judge of all the earth, he looks at us. If he can see our humanity and our corruption and our unconverted heart will be condemned to an eternity in a lake of fire and brimstone. But if we step up to that judgment seat, unworthy but clothed in the righteousness of the Son of God, he will look at us and he say, will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. This morning, the way has been made. The price has been paid. Salvation is available. Why? Why will we go through life taking a chance on our eternity? I'm going to ask each of you to stand to your feet. Debbie's going to make her way to the piano. As Miss Debbie plays, if the Lord has made clear to you your need of salvation, if you've been listening to these messages over the last several weeks and the Lord has revealed to you that you have never put your trust in Him, you have never believed in Him, you have not put your faith in Him, you are trying to make it to heaven on your own, then I ask that you come to this altar and accept the Lord Jesus as your Savior. Put your faith and trust in Him and allow Him to clothe you in His righteousness. You cannot obtain salvation on your own. It's futile to try. But it can be obtained through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Miss Debbie, you play.